Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. We need to confirm identification, and then we need to perform an autopsy. The lead singer of the rock band Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, has died of a gunshot wound in Seattle. The world was stunned when Kurt Cobain, the 27-year-old musician and self-styled prince of grunge, was found dead. Kurt Cobain was a genius. He was the powerful voice of a generation. He was the true artist. Even in his pain, he was genuine. But with success came pressures that Kurt found hard to handle. He worked so hard to become a millionaire rock star. And then once he did, he didn't like it very much. And on April 8th, 1994, when Kurt Cobain was found dead at his Seattle mansion, it appeared to be a clear-cut case of suicide. Kurt was the poster boy for suicide. I said, he's going to kill himself. But despite leaving a suicide note, many people refused to believe that Kurt Cobain had taken his own life. I knew from the beginning that Kurt had been murdered. Kurt Cobain's death certificate says that he died from a single shotgun wound to the head. But why would a man who's just achieved his lifelong goal of becoming a rock star and starting a family kill himself? And could foul play have been involved? Dr. Michael Hunter is a world-renowned forensic pathologist and the chief medical examiner in one of America's biggest cities. He's performed over 4,000 autopsies to investigate and reveal the cause of death. Kurt Cobain's investigative records show that he died from a shotgun wound to the head fired through the mouth. But why would a man who has struggled to make it as a musician and who just started a family kill himself? I'm going to use all the available evidence to investigate what happened to Kurt both mentally and physically and discover more about why he died. April 1st, 1994, 2.30 p.m. Four days before Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt is at the Exodus Recovery Center in Marina del Rey. He's trying to kick the heroin addiction he's developed since becoming a rock star. Ian Halperpin, investigative journalist. One of the people he smoked a cigarette with outside said that Kurt just seemed like a happy-go-lucky guy. He didn't seem like he had a problem in the world. He, he seemed very excited about life. Kurt had only recently become a millionaire after a lifetime of financial hardship and had just bought himself a mansion in an exclusive area of Seattle where he lived with his wife, Courtney Love, and his 19-month-old baby, Francis Bean. In a recently discovered interview recorded a few months before his death, Kurt claimed he'd never been happier. 
Ever since I've been married and I've had a child within the last year, everything, my whole mental state and my, my physical state has been just almost improved 100%. I've never been more optimistic. But within five days of appearing optimistic about the future, Kurt Cobain was dead. He was 27, and he joins a long list of stars who died at this age, including Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, and Amy Winehouse. It's an exclusive club, and I want to find out what led Kurt to join it. Kurt Donald Cobain was born on February 20th, 1967, in Aberdeen, a small industrial town located two hours south of Seattle. Bev Cobain, Kurt's cousin. Aberdeen was a logging town where everybody was macho. He certainly wasn't the type who was going to go out and cut down trees. Kurt's dad was a mechanic, and his mother was a waitress. But his upbringing was far from easy. The whole Cobain family was dysfunctional. I'm talking all of us. The dysfunctional part, I think, was that he was living with parents who were using more alcohol than normal. And it's hard for you to be a happy little kid if you're growing up in a family that's fighting and don't really know how to raise children. I was ashamed of my parents. I couldn't face some of my friends at school because I desperately wanted to have the classic, typical family, mother, father. I wanted that security. Kurt's parents separated when he was nine. He found solace in music, which he showed promise at from an early age. He was a child prodigy who possessed this rare, unique artistic talent. Music saved Kurt. I think it was the only way he knew to express his feelings. And I really do think it was therapeutic for him. Kurt started by playing the drums before moving on to guitar. But it wasn't until he was 18 that he met Chris Novoselic and formed the band Nirvana. It was Kurt's approach that would be at the forefront of a new style of music. James Bertieshaw. How he was able to take punk music, old rock and roll, minimalist melodic music, stick it all in a soup and come out with what he came out with, I, I think that was pretty revolutionary. This fusion of rock and punk became known as grunge. It is epitomized in their iconic track, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Nirvana's album Nevermind, released in 1991, went to the top of the charts around the world and established Kurt Cobain as the biggest rock star of his generation. In February 1992, Kurt married the former stripper and lead singer of the band Hole, Courtney Love. Hank Harrison, Courtney Love's father. As soon as she married him, I listened to a lot of his poetry and a lot of his music, and I thought, well, this guy's pretty profound. I think he was popular because he was wounded. 
He looked like a person who was down on his luck and rebellious. And so I think the kids could really relate to that. He spoke to this lost generation and became the voice of the generation. This is a photograph of Nirvana taken six months prior to Kurt Cobain's death. And I'm surprised at how small Kurt is. Bass guitarist Chris Novoselic is incredibly tall at six foot six inches. And drummer David Grohl is six feet tall. According to his records, Kurt was 5'9", but looked considerably smaller. This could be due to a disorder that he was suffering from called scoliosis. And in this recently discovered interview, Kurt sheds new light on what he thought caused this condition. I had scoliosis when I was in um, junior high, and I've been playing guitar ever since. And the weight of the guitar has made my back grow in this curvature. So I, when I stand, you know, everything's sideways. Scoliosis, or curvature of the spine, occurs in about 3% of people and most commonly arises in the teenage years. The curve is usually either S-shaped with two bends or C-shaped with one. His music felt like he was always in pain, that he was angst-ridden, and that's a typical uh, reflection of the scoliosis that he battled with. It's a common misconception that scoliosis causes pain, but that is not always the case. And the cause is oftentimes unknown. This is an x-ray of Kurt Cobain's spine, and it shows that he has C-shaped scoliosis. This wouldn't be caused by the weight of his guitar, but it could be exacerbated by it. As there is no mention of any pain or psychological distress associated with this condition, I don't believe that this is responsible for his death. However, Kurt did suffer from another long-standing medical condition that had a huge impact on him. So I want to investigate whether it led him to take his own life. Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. You really deserve gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at just $22. For decades, women have had two options for coloring their hair, outdated at-home color or the time and expense of a traditional salon. And for me, I don't really do much hair dye for, for my own hair, but what I do love about Madison Reed is they make it super simple. So even if it's been a little while, you can go on their website and just go through all of their sort of um, selection process and make sure that you're finding the exact right shade for you. And many Madison Reed clients comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women really love the results. Gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy looking hair. This is truly game changing color you can do at home and look as if you just came from the salon. What makes Madison Reed Color unique is that it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Autopsy listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code LASTHOURS. That's code LASTHOURS. A member of the rock music scene is dead. Police in Seattle say that Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of the group Nirvana, has taken his own life. April 8, 1994. Kurt Cobain is found dead at his house in Seattle 
with a gunshot wound to his head. Expert coroner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is examining all the medical evidence available to try and work out if and why Kurt Cobain took his own life. Suicides are rarely down to just one factor. They're oftentimes a mixture of both physical and psychological conditions. So I want to dig deeper to find out what precipitated his death. March 3rd, 1994, 11.30 p.m. The Excelsior Hotel, Rome. One month before Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt has arrived in Rome to meet his wife, Courtney Love. He's just pulled out of Nirvana's European tour, blaming it on bronchitis. Kurt's relationship with Courtney is also suffering with rumors of divorce. But despite their problems, they leave their daughter, Frances Bean, with their nanny and spend the evening drinking champagne together. Christopher Sanford, Kurt Cobain's biographer. Champagne's a very uncurt-like drink. He wasn't really a big drinker at the best of times. Champagne is more of a rock star drink, and he wasn't into that. The couple drink into the early hours before they fall asleep. At 6.25 a.m., Courtney wakes to find Kurt is no longer beside her. Kurt? Kurt, come on, wake up. I said wake up. When she fails to wake him, she calls for help. Hello? Yeah, I need an ambulance. At 6.40 a.m., a paramedic arrives. When he also fails to revive Kurt, he's taken to the Umberto I Hospital, less than two miles away. I listened to the news, and they said that Courtney had found Kurt unconscious and blue, which to me means that's like the color of death. I just thought, this guy is a poster boy for suicide. I went to his grandfather, Leland, and I told him I was really, really worried about Kurt. I said, you've got to talk to him. He's going to kill himself. It was later revealed that Kurt had left a suicide note. He had admitted in many interviews to using heroin, but had in fact overdosed on Rohypnol. Rohypnol is a tranquilizer, also known as the date rape drug but it's also prescribed to treat heroin withdrawal. A month later, Kurt was dead, leaving little clue if and why he took his own life. But in a note found at the scene, Kurt mentions, and I quote, his burning, nauseous stomach. And this is a reference to the chronic stomach pain that was so debilitating that he said it blighted his life. So... Could this be the reason that he attempted suicide in Rome and finally took his life a month later? Kurt's parents' marriage started to collapse when Kurt was seven. By the time he was nine and they divorced, their breakup was having a devastating effect on him. 
When his parents split, he started to change. Because for any kid, it's not easy. And that's sort of when the stomach pain first surfaced. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. He had stomach problems from an early age, and it wasn't diagnosed. If you look at any of the sort of the seminal moments in his life, that stomach pain was there. It may very well have been that part of his condition was psychosomatic. We know that being in emotional turmoil makes physical pain feel worse. So it wouldn't be shocking to assume that his mental state did affect his physical state. It haunted him because he couldn't function properly in everyday life. He really felt that unless he got rid of the stomach pain, basically life was over. I can see from Kurt's records that he was treated for his stomach condition, and he also had three endoscopic procedures to try to determine precisely the cause of his pain. An endoscopy is where a small camera is inserted through the mouth and then moved down the throat into the esophagus, stomach, and upper gastrointestinal tract. The camera relays the images back to the screen where the doctor can see inside the body in great detail. But despite having three endoscopic examinations, the doctors could find no explanation for Kurt's chronic stomach pain, leading him to speculate on its causes. Every time I've had an endoscope, they find a red irritation in my stomach. It's just, um, it's, it's psychosomatic. It's all from anger and screaming. I mean, my mom had it when she was in her early 20s for a few years, and it just eventually went away. She was in the hospital all the time because of it. Stomach pain obviously ran in the Cobain family, but in Kurt's case, it's because of his scoliosis. This condition can pinch abdominal nerves, causing severe stomach pain. In 1993, when it was discovered that this was the reason for his abdominal pain, a simple prescription appears to have brought the condition under control. So I don't believe that this is responsible for his death. Kurt was a frequent heroin user and claimed that he took it to treat his abdominal pain. So I want to investigate what role this drug played in his death. This is Dr. Michael Hunter. Did you know you can stream the autopsy television series on Roku and Fire TV? Well, you can. Just download the Reels app and subscribe to see the TV show behind the podcast. And if you've got Prime, it's on Amazon channels too. Once you're streaming, you'll find more real life and death programs from Reels like Copycat Killers about murderers inspired by movies. You'll also get access to Murder Made Me Famous, the real crime series that profiles people like Jody Arias and Drew Peterson, who are household names because of the murders they committed. It all comes from the real-life mystery fans at Reels Channel. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Expert coroner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is examining all the available medical evidence about the death of the musical icon and prince of grunge, Kurt Cobain. 
he was found dead in his Seattle mansion with a gunshot wound to his head. For over 20 years, controversy has surrounded his death, with many refusing to believe it was suicide. Now, Dr. Hunter plans to finally get to the bottom of what really killed Kurt Cobain. When Kurt returned from Rome, his heroin use increased. He was using about $400 worth of heroin every day, and that's $700 in today's prices. This is an enormous amount of heroin to take on a daily basis. And those who were close to him realized that if they didn't do something, Kerr was going to die. March 25, 1994, 11.15 a.m., Seattle, Washington, 10 days before Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt walks into his living room, having just injected heroin, and gets a surprise. We need a change. Change. An intervention was organized by his entertainment attorney, uh, Rosemary Carroll, and her husband, Danny Goldberg. Several of his closest people were there, including his best friends. They thought Kurt was in a dark zone. They thought he was doing too much heroin. But the intervention backfires, with Kurt accusing his friends of being hypocrites for also using drugs while telling him to stop taking them. No, we take drugs. We're not talking about a bit of party, Kurt. We're talking about life and death, all right? We're talking about our baby. Yes. Tell me I'm wrong. It's pretty hard for somebody to tell a drug user that they shouldn't be using it because that's where they find their peace. And I'm sure he did not want to stop using, and that's one of the reasons he got angry about it. You know, don't tell me what to do. By now, Kurt's excessive drug-taking has not only alienated all of his friends, but his marriage to Courtney is also on the rocks. Hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. Every single one of them, I believe that Kurt's adverse reaction to the intervention is because he didn't see himself as a drug addict. He claims he was using heroin not for enjoyment, but for medicinal reasons. I've had this stomach condition for years, and there were times, especially during tour and, and while off of tour, where I just felt like a drug addict because I was starving, and I went to all these different doctors, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me, and I tried everything. Nothing worked, and I just decided that if I'm going to feel like a junkie every morning and be vomiting every day, then I may as well, you know, take a substance that kills that pain. Cut initially got into heroin because it seemed to him to be a painkiller. His whole teenage years, he was looking for various pills and prescriptions to help get over his bad back, his bad stomach. I think the idea of taking a drug to escape pain is something that one hears very often. And while that is kind of, I guess, understandable in the short term, it doesn't um, negate the fact that it's still a choice. And the excuse of, well, I had no choice because I was in pain is one that, again, you hear a lot of addicts using. Kurt's explanation that he used heroin for pain relief may be true. But the damage that that drug caused far outweighed any conceived benefit. But I found something else in Kurt's background that might 
also explain his reliance on chemical stimulants. In 1974, age seven, Kurt's manic behavior worried his parents to such an extent that he is taken to the doctors where he's diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, and prescribed the drug Ritalin. Here you had an artistic kid who's a little bit different to begin with and wants to rather draw than do his math and that sort of thing. He may be acting out a bit because of his home life, so they did put him on Ritalin. Ritalin is the common name for the drug methylphenidate, and it's classified by the Drug Enforcement Administration as a Schedule II drug in the same classification as, say, cocaine, morphine, and amphetamines. Ritalin works by increasing the activity of the chemicals dopamine and noradrenaline in areas of the brain that play a part in controlling attention and behavior. He was first prescribed Ritalin, and you can see that that might have started a lifetime habit of relying on various drugs to balance his mood out. Along with the Ritalin, there came sleeping pills because he couldn't sometimes go to bed at night, even as a youngster. So already you can begin to see where there's a certain amount of chemical assistance going on just to get him through the day. After his parents' divorce, Kurt stayed with each of them. But following continual arguments, both asked him to leave. At 15 years old, Kurt Cobain was homeless and his ADHD was going untreated. Over the next four years, Kurt had ten different homes. He would stay at friends' houses and sleep in hallways, abandoned properties, or under a bridge. As Kurt increasingly dropped out of society, he had run-ins with the law and was arrested for vandalism. For a decade, his ADHD went untreated, and his addiction to heroin reached dangerous levels. There is no evidence to suggest that Ritalin itself leads to addiction. But children with ADHD are two to three times more likely to have substance abuse issues later in life. But after a lifetime of relying on drugs to treat pain and to alter his moods, Kurt finally agrees to seek treatment for his addiction to heroin. April 1st, 1994. 4.30 p.m., four days before Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt has been at the Exodus Recovery Center for 24 hours. But despite his promise to seek help for his addiction, he decides he doesn't want to continue with the treatment. The problem with the Exodus Center is that there's no physical constraint to keep the person there if he doesn't want to be there. Kurt climbed over a wall because he missed his daughter, several of his close friends. He felt it was the time to restart life. But Kurt's cousin, Beverly, thinks he fled rehab for very different reasons. There was a chance that he could have been really helped in that facility, but he apparently did not want to stop using heroin. It may very well have been that the prospect of coming off heroin was scary for Kurt. You know, this was one of his coping mechanisms. This was one of the tools that helped get him through the day. In his mind, this was one of the tools that kept the pain away, that helped the creativity, that kept him stable in some ways. 
So then one of the biggest barriers to him actually seeking the help that he did may have been this fear of what it was like to live without the heroin. I can see from the report that drug paraphernalia was found at the scene of Kurt's death. He also had a blood morphine level of 1.52 milligrams per liter, and that is a tremendous amount. So the question I have is, what happened to Kurt from the time that he left rehab and when he died four days later? April 3rd, 1994, 2.21 p.m., the Peninsula Hotel, Beverly Hills, two days before Kurt Cobain's death. Private detective Tom Grant and his assistant are summoned by Kurt's wife, Courtney. She tells him Kurt has fled rehab and bought a shotgun and could be suicidal. Tom Grant was briefed to check around for Kurt's whereabouts. He was meant to go to the house in Seattle and find Kurt. April 7th, 1994, 2.45 a.m. Six days after Kurt went missing, private investigator Tom Grant searches his Seattle mansion, but doesn't find him. Kurt! April 8th, 8.40 a.m., seven days after Kurt's disappearance from rehab, an electrician is installing security lights on the building above Kurt's garage. The private eye and the others, the Seattle police, had not thought to check that particular building. But Gary Smith, the electrician, went up there and he saw Kurt's body lying on the floor. The electrician calls the police. At 9 a.m., paramedic John Fisk arrives at the property. When we arrived at the scene, we did not know whose house it was. We were directed by the police officer up around uh, the garage. I was probably the first one to arrive at the door. We could see a body laying inside with a gun evident in his lap. I don't believe we could tell whether it had just happened, if he could still be alive. I told the police officer we needed to get in there right away, indicating to him that I hoped he would perform some forcible entry. He felt that they needed to wait for a supervisor. Uh, we felt we didn't have the time. As we entered the room and approached the body, it was evident that he was dead and there was nothing we could do for him. It would appear that he had been sitting on the floor with his legs out and a shotgun between his legs and activated the trigger, perhaps with his thumb or something. The wound was in his mouth and an exit wound to the back left side of his head. His face wasn't badly distorted or misshapen like we often see with a gunshot wound to the head. We are working on a presumptive identification, but until we confirm and notify the family, we will not release the name. The phone rang and it was a newspaper reporter and he told me that somebody had killed themselves in, in Kurt's garage. And, um, and I, I said, well, it can't be Kurt because he's in treatment. And he said, no, no, he left there a few days ago. I sort of put two and two together and I went to my knees and um, sobbed. 
Kurt Cobain's body was found inside a garage apartment adjacent to his Seattle home, dead of an apparently self-inflicted shotgun wound. He came on the radio, and I was really depressed. You know, it immediately makes you remember that person that tugged my arm at the show and said, hey, how you doing? Just this cute little guy, you know? Plus, I was really enjoying his music and imagining how far he could take it. A postmortem confirmed that Kurt Cobain died from a single shot to the head by a 20-gauge Remington shotgun that he purchased only eight days before he died. Kurt's body was found to the left of the greenhouse on its back, with a shotgun laying on his chest. The barrel had been placed in his mouth and the trigger pulled, discharging hundreds of small lead shot through the roof of his mouth and into his brain. The damage was catastrophic. The single shot fired in Kurt Cobain's mouth would have killed him instantly. And given the fact that there's a suicide note, this appears to be an open and shut case. But since the death, many have refused to accept it was a suicide and believe Kurt was murdered. They claim to have irrefutable evidence that this is the case. So could Kurt Cobain have really been murdered? And if so, by whom? Kurt Cobain's sudden death at the age of 27 sent shockwaves around the world. The official verdict was that he died as a result of suicide from a gunshot wound to the head. But this verdict has been challenged by those who don't believe Kurt Cobain's death was a suicide. Now, Dr. Michael Hunter plans to uncover what really happened in Kurt Cobain's final hours to reveal the true cause of his death. Kurt Cobain's body lay undiscovered for three days following his death. And the autopsy revealed the presence of 1.52 milligrams per liter of morphine in the blood. In the body, heroin breaks down into morphine, and this is an incredibly high level. So some have argued that it is so high, it would have been impossible for Kurt to have the time to shoot himself before passing out. Therefore, foul play must have been involved. One person who believed that Kurt was murdered was the family member he was closest to, his grandfather, Leland. He had so much dope in him that uh, he couldn't have possibly uh, brought that shotgun up. And that's why I think he was murdered. Courtney Love's estranged father also believes Kurt was killed. I knew from the beginning, maybe six months into it, that uh, Kurt had been murdered. The little box that he had had Mexican tar heroin in it. You can't shoot up enough Mexican tar heroin to get that much heroin in your bloodstream. All the junkies I've talked to said, oh no, that's absolutely impossible. More surprisingly, Hank Harrison believes his daughter could be implicated in the murder. He's had a tumultuous relationship with Courtney since his divorce from her mother and believes she had a motive to want Kurt dead. 
there was a prenup and she was only going to get a small amount of money. And Kurt had already asked for a divorce and a change in the will. Investigative journalist Ian Halperin has been following the story for more than 20 years. If Kurtz died, she would inherit the whole Cobain estate to the tune of $100 million. And if they would have divorced, she would have walked away with nothing because of the prenup. He also believes that it would be impossible for Kurt to shoot himself with such a high level of heroin in his system and argues that there are other highly suspicious inconsistencies surrounding Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt's body was found lying with a shotgun. Whomever killed him had gloves on. There were no latent fingerprints found on the gun. Dead men don't wipe their own prints. It's also argued there are inconsistencies in the handwriting on the suicide note. I hired the two top handwriting experts in the world to study the suicide note and to dissect it. And they said it was written in two different handwritings. The top of the note was written in Kurt's handwriting. And the bottom of the note, the last five lines which dealt with the suicide, was written in the handwriting of somebody else. And those that believe Kurt was killed think this is how it happened. Kurt was assassinated, but he didn't die all at once. Whoever killed him did it in stages. First thing you do is incapacitate the person. After he was knocked out with Rohypnol, he got shot up with what we think to be a massive dose of fentanyl. He died. They had to give him a shotgun and shoot him to make it look like it was an absolute prima facie case of suicide. Fentanyl is a powerful synthetic painkiller, similar to morphine, but a hundred times more potent. And the autopsy also revealed the presence of a diazepam-like substance. And this could possibly be rohypnol. The smoking gun is the heroin level. 70 times the lethal dose for the average person, three times for the most severe junkie. Forensic pathological experts say there's never been one case documented in the history of humankind with so much heroin in somebody's system. Kurt did have an exceptionally high level of heroin in his system when he died. But I believe there's an explanation for this and the other factors people point to as proof of foul play. After shotgun deaths, there is a lot of blood loss and the medical examiner may only be able to get blood from the heart to sample. As Kurt shot himself soon after injecting the heroin, it hadn't had a chance to distribute throughout his body. The veins drain directly into the heart, so the drug is concentrated there, giving a much higher reading than normal. The lack of fingerprints can also be explained. The police report says that they took four latent prints, but they were of poor quality and couldn't be identified. Now keep in mind, the gun had lain for three days in a damp environment, and this is not good for fingerprints. And I believe this explains why the police were unable to find usable prints on that weapon. 
Finally, the differences in the handwriting on the suicide note are notable, but I think you can look at this and see that in the latter part of the note, Kurt wrote this while under the influence of drugs. And a police expert looked at this and confirmed that this indeed was the handwriting of Kurt Cobain. For these reasons, I believe that Kurt Cobain did indeed kill himself. And I think I've discovered the reason why. Kurt Cobain died from a single shotgun wound to the head in what police said was a suicide. Many people have disputed this conclusion, using the level of morphine found in Kurt's body to argue it would have been impossible for him to have time to load a gun and shoot himself. I have shown how the length of time that Kurt Cobain went undiscovered and the location where the blood sample was taken could have had an effect on the toxicology analysis. So I am ruling out foul play as being involved in some way with his death. I believe that Kurt Cobain did indeed kill himself, and the evidence for this rests in his family history. We know that Kurt was diagnosed at age nine with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. What wasn't known is that he was also likely suffering from bipolar disorder, and that used to be known as manic depression. Kurt's mother told me he suffered from bipolar disorder, and it made sense when you saw how he was doing kind of wild, crazy things, because that typifies bipolar disorder. It's a mood disorder that's punctuated by this very polarized way of behaving. This kind of addicted workaholic that, you know, wouldn't stop, wanted to, to get things to perfection, that, you know, wanted to find the best drummers, wanted to find the best riffs, wanted to make the most amazing music. And then this other side, which was a depressive that just felt never quite good enough. It's a very difficult condition to live with, and one that needs both proper medication and proper psychological support. I have not been able to find any evidence that Kurt Cobain was ever treated for bipolar disorder. But I have discovered that depression and suicide ran in the Cobain family. I have lost two uncles and then Kurt. They were the same age when they killed themselves because I remember Uncle Leland saying, oh my gosh, you know, in a few years I'll be that age and he was worried that he would kill himself then. I've also discovered that the chronic stomach pain that Kurt thought he had been cured of had returned in the weeks prior to his death. I think the reason that Kurt killed himself can be summed up in one word, pain. He was in such pain, both emotional, psychological, and physical, that he just could not stand it anymore. He'd rather be dead than alive. It's one of those terrible ironies of his life, that he worked so hard to become something, and then once he did, he didn't like it very much. I sincerely believe that Kurt uh, committed suicide he clearly was not happy, running away, hiding, upping his usage, not trusting anyone. 
Kurt did appear happy in the months before he died. Ever since I've been married and I've had a child, I've never been more optimistic. But I think this was a facade. When you see that kind of happiness in somebody that you know has been suicidal, watch out. Because that usually means that they have made the decision to kill themselves and now they're feeling relief. Having considered all of the medical evidence, I believe suicide is the best explanation for Kurt Cobain's death. And this, I think, is how it happened. April 5th, 1994, 6 a.m., the day of Kurt Cobain's death. Kurt removes the 20-gauge shotgun from its hiding place in his closet and heads to the room above his garage. Once there, he finishes his suicide note, which he leaves in a planting tray and spears with the red ballpoint pen it's written in. He unzips the bag holding his shotgun. He takes three cartridges out of a box and loads the gun. He smokes five cigarettes as he sits on the floor before preparing his final hit of heroin. It contains so much of the drug that, once injected,